0: Welcome to the Talent Matters Podcast. Learn how to make the most of talent as a competitive advantage. Navigate today's fast-changing talent landscape and prepare now for the future of work. Here's your hosts, Brian Arzani and Jennifer Erickson. All right. Well, hey, we are super excited to be back with Talent Matters. I'm your co-host, Brian Arzani. We're giving Jennifer the week off. And uh, I am very excited to have our guest today. Uh, we have Amanda Young. She is, honestly, her title is cool as all get out. Because like 15 years ago, I was speaking to SHRM groups all over the country. And I kept saying, you know, there's all these chiefs in companies. There's chief operating officers. There's chief financial officers. There's chief executive officers. Where the heck is our chief about the most important asset in our company, our chief human resource officer. And finally, for in 2021. You'd think it was like, I don't know, it was like an act of Congress. But yes, we have a chief human resource officer. Amanda, I am so excited to have you with us today. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us.
1: Oh, Brian, glad to be here. And I miss Jennifer, so you'll have to tell her hello for me, but glad to be meeting with you.
0: Absolutely. I'll try to, I'll try to fill in, but there's no way to fill in for Jennifer because she is way better. That's why we're partners and you know, she makes up for all my inadequacies. So we'll make it happen.
1: Yeah. And it sounds like uh, you, you already hit on one of the themes that tends to happen in our profession. Keep saying the wise stuff and eventually someone will listen and, and uh, take your advice.
0: Oh my gosh. I love it. All right. I'm going to steal that repurpose it, apply it. That's cool. I love it. So why don't you just keep going, Amanda? Just tell us, I mean, tell us a little about your career. Um, How'd you get to where you're at today? Because I think it's just, it's so exciting. I've been around and worked with you now. I don't even know how long. Um, We're getting old. I mean, kids are graduating high school. I'm a grandpa now. Holy crap. It's crazy. So, but anyways, yeah. Tell us about your career. How'd you get to where you're at?
1: Yeah. So I have a good story. So happy to share it. I started as an HR assistant in a telecommunications firm in Waterloo, Iowa, while I was still finishing up my degree at UNI. And then I moved back to Des Moines, was working on my master's degree at ISU, took an internship at Holmes Murphy. After that internship, I got hired on to Holmes Murphy as an HR specialist as part of their team. And I worked for an HR manager who became my mentor. And so then she left and went to Community State Banks, which is headquartered in Ankeny, Iowa. And I followed her over there to be an HR generalist and was there until she retired. So then I became an HR manager. I got to be that at 27 years old, which was pretty great. 250 employees in the company at that time. They're much larger today. Um, but then was there for about four years, got a call from somebody that I had known in working, um, in the human resources department at Holmes Murphy, actually John Shanahan who owns business solver, he, um, had started up business solver and actually his five person department, they're huge now, but was housed in the Holmes Murphy building right next to the HR department. And so he was collaborating with come and go corporate on starting up an HR department, which they were calling grow people. And so he called me up and I got to kind of start a new role there, manager of education development. So oversaw all the training and development for the corporate offices, but also had the stores in 13 different states at the time report up through me and all that training uh, function. And so got to do that. After I, my time at Come & Go Corporate, I took a year off to be with my oldest two kids um, the recession hit. So it was an interesting time to be off in an agreement with my husband that it was just going to be a year. Came back in in 2009, was lucky to get a job with Bankers Trust, and I've been in three different roles, and 12 years later, I'm still here.
0: Wow. So we our paths crossed shortly after you really were hired. I did not realize that that was kind of the the commencement of your career at Bankers Trust. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, you. We started working together in my first role at Bankers Trust. So mine is definitely a, a story about building relationships and connections. I joke that my first job I ever really interviewed for was at the bank.
0: I love it. And you um, are part of the forty under forty. That's kind of a, that's, that's an impressive uh, achievement.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I've been, um, as you just heard in my story, been privileged to work a lot outside, a lot of really good mentors and a lot of good positive influences uh, early on my career. So I think it sped up my trajectory in a way that kind of afforded me that opportunity. So it was quite a privilege and a great group to be around.
0: Awesome. So tell us just tell us about your organization. You know, how long has it been a business? How many employees? What just kind of give us a little feel for as you run this as the chief human resource officer?
1: Yeah. So we have about 525 ish employees. We kind of range from 525 to 550. Um, we are the largest held community bank in Iowa predominantly owned by the Ruan family. Um, as I mentioned, I've been here for 12 years and I have three different roles. I started off in the role that you and I met um, when I was in that role as a training officer, then talent engagement manager, and I've been the CHRO for the last five years or so.
0: So based on your perspective, how has talent changed uh, in your opinion through the course of your time at Bankers Trust and maybe just over the course of time as in, within the human resource world?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I think one of the things that came to mind as I as I think about that question that you just asked, Brian, is people want a variety of things to do in their career. And I think that's changed over time. So it feels less about the position and climbing that traditional ladder, more about like many experiences. And people still want to be recognized and compensated fairly for their work, but they value the ability and kind of the agility to get meaningful experiences in shorter time frames and the flexibility to do that.
0: So banks are traditionally very structured and super compliant and never think outside the box. <laughs> I know you well enough to know that that is exactly opposite of you. But how have you incorporated the ability to provide those experiences in a shorter time frame? In a co- not, I don't want to say a culture because Suku was. I mean, he was definitely revolutionary, and Bankers Trust is unique. But how have you incorporated that? Um, uniqueness to uh, uh, an environment that normally wouldn't afford that?
1: Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think we got really serious about mm, maybe eight or nine years ago on having talent reviews across the organization at different levels, and that translated into our succession planning. And we got really intentional about talking about our talent and intentional then about the ones that we really felt had growth opportunity getting unique and, and specific development plans for those individuals, which required us to be creative, right? How in a size of organization that we have that only has so many traditional kind of managerial spots where you're leading people, how do you get people those types of experiences before they're put into a position like that so they can be really successful, right? So it kind of follows then the 70-20-10 model training where you're, you know, or development where 10% of that's training, 20% of that is um, really what you can learn from, I got that backwards, Brian, you got to cut that off.
0: That's okay. We can go back. We we can, we can edit that back to where um, I'll ask the question again. So just, you know, how have you taken that environment that's bank oriented, very structured, chaotic like that in terms of not actually the antithesis of chaos, right? But how have you taken that idea of affording your employees multiple experiences? I mean, how did you implement that into an environment that traditionally wouldn't really probably welcome that? Yeah.
1: Well, a couple things. I think we're really good at getting feedback, right? So whether that's through engagement surveys and action planning, um, through Uh, conversations with our CEO. We have a couple different events that we do called Coffee with Coffin or Desserts with Dawn. (laughs) So we get- Nice. And then we use some of those ideas. Um, Another thing I would say is we are a very unique structure in that we're very committee-based. So people almost always have a job outside their job here. And a lot of those committees are kind of employee-centric committees that are working towards something, whether it's diversity, equity, inclusion, whether it's employee- um, events, whether it's our innovation action team that takes feedback on innovative ideas from our employees and kind of gets the answer back to them on whether we can do it or forms a group together to how to deploy it. I think what has driven all of that is the fact that we're really intentional about our talent um, reviews, conversations, and our succession planning. So we know to be successful and grow at the internal promotion rate that we have, which is about 50%.
0: Um, we have, I'm sorry to interrupt you. What does that mean? Yeah, that's okay. So our internal
1: promotion. So the, the positions that we have open that we hire internally and provide a a promotion opportunity versus externally. So we're about 50, 50 there. And so we're really intentional in our succession planning and saying, okay, if somebody has a gap in, you know, agility or performance or potential, how do we get them there? And then make very specific development plans that allow and afford for opportunities. And so we need some of those levers I just talked about to include on those development plans outside of specific external or internal training that we
0: can provide for employees. That is wild. So, and it's not like you're sitting under one roof at a corporation that has, you know, six floors and cubicles, you're, you're branches and they're spread out across, you know, so talk about that a little bit. That's, that's an interesting a achievement because I hear a lot of businesses that want to do that. Um, so how do you how do you roll that out so you got those personalized reviews, the personalized evaluations, personal plans? What's that? How do you do yeah, that? Yeah,
1: yeah. So um, you're right. We're in Des Moines, Cedar Rapids, Omaha, South Dakota, and Phoenix. And I think we're probably a part of story with everyone in 2020 that got better about communicating across geographies. Even if you were all in one building, you got better because everyone was kind of in their homes for a while. So Um, That certainly made us stronger in the way that we get feedback, communicate, and look at talent across the organization. Um, But we have those talent reviews and succession plan conversations at different levels, right, in the organization and across different departments. So it's not just one conversation. There's about 18 of them going on in the organization. And then we have some cross-functional conversation sharing. Um, So we make sure, and then it all rolls up to the leadership team where we talk about our entire succession plan and our talent
0: across the organization. That is crazy. So your committees, I'm curious and I think the listeners would be curious as well. Are these committees formed with like, you know, an individual from this place and that place? I mean, talk about that a little bit.
1: Yeah, we really tried hard to do that, right? So if our employee events committee is giving away state fair tickets or tickets to Jolly Holiday Lights, you know, what are we doing in all of our other markets that is similar to... Um, what we're able to do in our Des Moines market, which is our predominant market. So we try really hard to do that. If there's experiences, especially we've been doing a lot more virtual experiences that we can do across location, have a speaker on that's virtual that um, all of our employees can hear and engage with so they get the exact same experience. I mean, we just tried to not only get involvement from committee members, but make sure that we are really cognizant about like experiences in our markets.
0: Dude, that's awesome. And I'm going to take a little bit of a right turn because I think it'd be cool for you just to tout a little bit of your... Because you you really championed. At the time, you may not have been the CHRO, um, but you have always acted as if you owned things and thought innovatively. You put together a leadership academy how many years ago?
1: Oh, my gosh. That is a really good question. Nine years. I should know that. We just had our well, ninth graduation.
0: Okay. And, and so... I remember when we talked about building that, but just, just, you want to give a, just a little high level. I mean, give away whatever nugget you want, but just talk about what that is, how that's impacted bankers trust. And in terms of like, I mean, your opinion and maybe feeling of, as it increased or improved your retention engagement? All those little things that we talk about touchy feely, but we don't ever really measure it. I think you've got A pretty cool flywheel that definitely has hit some revolutions to where it's spinning. But talk about the inception of the 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 leadership academy. I know I threw a bunch at you there, but yeah, that's
1: okay. I think this one's an easy one to talk about because it is a program that, yes, I got the fortune to start nine years ago, and it's had two other leaders since then who've just, you know made it even bigger and better. And I'm always amazed as I was sitting and listening, they kind of do presentations about their experiences, what they learned and what they're going to do to apply what they learned at the end of this 10-month program. And I'm always amazed in the size of organization that we have, that we have another 20 just incredible leaders that go through after this many iterations. And so I think a lot of that is just about the connection that they make with one another. Um, Of course, Robin leading the program Program, the great facilitators like you, Brian, that we have come into the program. But um, you know, in your session, we do kind of a pre-assessment and then we do a post-assessment um, and the advanced insights. And um, kind of can just see their growth through the program as they learn things like leadership and presentation skills and compassion and, you know, five levels of leadership and, you know, um, professionalism and all sorts of different things. And it's a really great way, too, to connect leaders across all of our different functional areas. And they kind of build this ongoing bond for life that makes you know, work more efficient, relationships across the company more efficient. And so it's been a really big thing for us. I think it, All spawned from working in prior employers and then at Bankers Trust, where everybody kind of envies the 10 week internship experience, right? (laughs) What we bring people in for 10 weeks to give them this great experience, and then that doesn't exist anywhere else in the company where they get exposure to executives and exposure to board members and all that kind of stuff. And so, why wouldn't we do that for those uh, loyal employees that have been with us for a time and we want to see continue to
0: grow? I love it. I love it. So, what's your biggest um, do you have a, a talent initiative for you know 2022 um that you're looking at doing something unique and different and maybe what what is a, an obstacle that you and your team are discussing and how to approach and maybe remedy or mitigate
1: yeah, so I would say we're still continuing maybe what was a new initiative in 2021. Um, this was exciting and I, I, I shared with you briefly um, as you were giving me a little feedback on my uh, dress code when we first got on the call and I was kidding that I dressed up for you today. I also said we don't have to anymore. So that was a big thing for us in banking which tends to be very formal and traditional. We oh. did um, get a dress for your day dress code, which was very popular for employees. And so that allowed some flexibility across our footprint by position. And then we also, um, just kind of like many employers are talking about, launched our new kind of permanent stance on workplace flexibility across the organization. So it was kind of a labor of love coming up with some kind of guardrails, but also some um, manager discretion and flexibility to make it work for our employees at an individual level in their uh, respective areas, but still support them with some guidance. So we kind of launched that and we'll continue to do um, managerial training as we have in the last year, just about being effective um, in managing and leading employees in that new kind of way. So I say that was that's kind of the initiatives that are top of mind that we've been working on. I think the biggest um, obstacle maybe that we've overcome in this, well, I don't know if we've overcome it. We're still overcoming it in this last year. And this probably won't be unique to us either. Is just kind of an HR department being in pandemic response mode, right? Um, I think not only for an HR department, but our entire employee base, I believe everyone's more than ready to move on. We certainly feel like it's a little bit of a groundhog day. So no matter what your opinion is, right, on response throughout this time period, I think people are mentally, physically exhausted from it. And you're seeing low unemployment rates with the segment of the population that's just opting out of the workforce and more traditional roles because people have reflected over the last couple of years and they want a different relationship with their work and their employer, right? And so employers are having to respond in a pretty quick way for that.
0: I love And I love what you said you said response versus react. And that Mm -hmm. just speaks to the culture that you've helped to create within the organization where reaction is giving up our ability to, you know, recognize the options and response is very intentional. It's very deliberate. um, It's very inclusive and collaborative. So I, I love that you, you know, you teach it, but you also live it and I've watched it. So I just, I think it's neat for our listeners to kind of understand that, you know you're constantly looking forward but you're also prepared to respond to all of these adjustments um, and you and you carry yourself as a consummate professional so that's just it's just fun to watch it i wish and i wish our, li- our listeners could see that yeah i am fairly casual i've got a nice shirt on but i do have my cowboy boots <laughs> and you are ready to go present to the board. So I appreciate your, you. Know, grace <laughs> well, maybe <for> that.
1: that's <laughs> on my calendar for later today.
0: Let's see. <laughs> maybe that's the case. So, um, you know, looking at what you've been able to be a part of and create, what do you think the greatest strength of bankers trust is um, today for attracting employees and retaining them? I know you've talked about that flexibility. Is there anything else other than that? Or have we kind of nailed it? Cause I think that's, ridiculously cool and was very attractive for like organizations like Oracle that were kind of initially you know out in the front of that. but a, for a bank to do that, that's so cool. But any other type of initiative or any type of opportunity you're you're looking at?
1: Yeah, I think maybe our greatest strength, especially in a market, like we're all, we've all heard, you know, the coined phrases of turnover tsunami and great resignation and all of these things. And I think, you know, you can get caught up in that vernacular and you really just have to be a culture that no matter in whatever economy that you are facing, you can kind of ride those waves. So they aren't, (laughs) <laughs> as big of uh, dips for you. And I think one of the things that makes bankers trust unique even in more of uh, more traditional industries because the size we are, we're really able to leverage transferable skills of our of our people right? So you see a lot of growth beyond internal promotions, but you see lateral moves or career changes, kind of what I was talking about before with that many experiences. And I want a variety throughout my career. We're able to really kind of do that because we have those in-depth talent conversations and leadership development programs, and we get to know our people. So we're willing to take some risks and allow our employees to kind of try something completely new. I think that makes us unique as we are big enough to have some of the resources of larger employees, but small enough to be kind of nimble and take some chances if somebody wants to try
0: something new. So do you find Amanda that you'll have employees that will maybe move from branch to branch or maybe from city to city within the bankers trust, or is it, or do they stay more within their own market, their own branch? <clears throat> oh, they'll move for sure. Right. Really? And, yeah. So and cool. Not even just in
1: within and. A location, right within a division or a department, but they'll move different departments. And um, I just think we we try to encourage, you know, a lot of job shadowing for talent, getting to know different leaders in the organization. And like I said, because of those transferable skills, I think there's just a lot of willingness to give people a shot. And because they they really know their strengths and opportunities because we've talked about them so much in those talent conversations. So yeah, we'll have people that'll have worked in lending for a while and they're trying out you know a sales role in wealth management or um, it, you know it happens in a variety of of different areas in our organization. Some more frequently than others, right? From a more you know um, kind of an easier mapping perspective, but certainly happens a lot.
0: That is awesome. So. Here's a question I, and I know that I mean leaders that we work with the great leaders like yourself they, they typically look back and they learn more from mistakes versus always the wins if you will the victories <laughs> so is there a is there a talent initiative that you can think of in your past that you was like oh we're gonna totally do this and then it it just fizzled failed or didn't meet your expectations any lesson learned in that regard yeah.
1: how long do you have <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow, you're the first one that actually said that most folks are like uh, I don't really know. I'm, I'm, I'm a good guesser of opportunities, so. though. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, I have had some successes. Okay. But um, one that comes to mind was building a competency model, right? We did all the right things. We got our executives in a conversation about what was important for leadership growth in our organization. We researched tried and true models. Uh, We made tools, we rolled it out, and then we didn't do anything with it after that, right? So didn't put it in job descriptions, didn't use it intentionally in hiring or talent reviews. So lesson learned for that one was kind of pulling the string all the way through. If you don't connect a tool or resource to something that's meaningful for leaders that they value uh, or they see the whiff them in, it's not going to get used. And then there's a, been a ton of other ones, like you know, I launched a world-class bankers trust university here at the bank, and it had all these great knowledgeable business leaders as facilitators, talking to our employees about products, services products and services. Everybody was to go through it. It became a scheduling nightmare. It was all in-person sessions and not scalable as we grew. It was a, you know, a sole job for a person that I didn't have on my team at the time. So I would say those are a couple things that I can remember, especially in the town development space. That
0: wow, you know, well, that I is
1: that stories for
0: me. I love it. That's great because I think everybody that's listening to this can relate to that, and they've mm-hmm. probably got super excited, hired some consulting firm to come in and do all of the mapping and woo, right? But yep. like I, I love it pulling the thread all the way through. Not many kids understand what that actually means. (laughs) It's called sewing and it's not spelled S-O, right? Okay. Anyways. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So um, I kind of know the answer to this a little bit, but I just think it'd be good for our listeners to kind of hear what do you do or what are you doing to develop your team to keep your HR team kind of fresh, excited, and engaged? Yeah,
1: that's a great question. Um, So with my team, some of the things we're really intentional about is we do at least a couple, um, two to three, one-day retreats through the year. We'll do it at the beginning of the year to definitely talk about kind of what are the big rocks? What are the initiatives? How do we understand and help each other with our goals that we have set for the year? How do those align with the organization? All those kind of things. We always have a little a lot of fun right? So it's work during the morning and play in the afternoon um, because it's important to team build and it's important that we keep connected and know each other. Um, The other thing that I'm really intentional about with my team is we have performance conversations. How are those goals coming? How's our work on a daily basis? Um, But we also have, and I also have with them, intentional one-on-ones on on development only. I don't want to talk about your current work. I want to talk about um, how you are developing today? Are you getting what you need? How do you get what you need if you're not? And then how? Um, where do you want to grow tomorrow? And how will you get there? Right. What I've learned <laughs> um, through my career is not to take all of those answers on as the leader and try to solve all things that need to be solved for each person. So we talk a lot about what are the resources you need and how will you get them um, because it kind of teaches a man to fish and it makes them good about their development for the long run. So those are a couple things that Um, we do around development space. Obviously, we do a lot of internal training. We send folks to workshops and training seminars. I encourage them to shadow one another to kind of learn the functions. It's not only good to have kind of that knowledge depth within our team, but also it lets me know on my team if people are interested in different HR areas, because we've had some organizational structural changes over the last few years. And then I have a person that's more ready to, to move when we are.
0: Love it. And I think if we could, if you could just probably put that as a, um, you could probably just do your own little webinar on how you as a leader learned to not take those and own those and then try to feel like you got to shepherd it by, by empowering them and asking them, you know, what are you going to do? And that's, gosh, that, that, that we could spend just so much time unpacking that. Um, Cause I, every leader that I, we work with is always like, you know, how do I, and what do I do? And gosh, that's so powerful. So, all right, keeping this moving. So um, what's the, I mean, I know you do you guys talk a lot of succession planning and that's such, I mean, I see that. What's the process or how do I get hired um, in banker's trust? What do I got to do? What's that look like? Is it unique or is it kind of a standard process? I mean, what's the what's that look like from uh from the bankers' trust world?
1: Yeah, so pretty standard process, right? Um, online application. You submit it, we open it up. Um, We look to internal, like I shared with you, our internal promotion rate before. We look to see if we have any internal talent first. It's a collaboration between our talent acquisition officer and the hiring manager. Um, Our talent acquisition officer is more that consistent level that is asking, you know, some of the cultural questions to make sure we consistently are looking for that type of fit across, and then the manager more of the technical job questions. so pretty traditional in that sense.
0: So when you are ramping a new employee up, what's that look like? Is it obviously going to be different per, per department, per position, but yeah. is there, do you have a formalized ramp-up process?
1: Yeah, we do. We have a formalized onboarding process. We need new and creative names because literally our two components that are consistent are new hire orientation, new employee orientation. So maybe that's going to be on the task list of something fun, right? Uh, Rolling out the red carpet or something a little bit more unique uh, in the future. But definitely one of the big initiatives that we've got to focus on this year. They do do it differently in each of our areas, but we try to provide supervisors for kind of some guidance of the things maybe that they... Should cover with their new employees. HR meets with them briefly on the first day and does all the forms and paperwork and all that kind of stuff. A lot of that is automated though today, so it's a pretty quick meeting. But they have ongoing support for some of their onboarding items like benefits. But then the cool thing that I think we do is every two months we do a new employee orientation session, and it's two days long, and or it's one day long. Excuse me, it used to be two days long, and. Robin organizes this, but they get to meet and hear from our CEO and have a collaborative conversation with him. We bring in um, two executive panels throughout the day so that they can learn about our different areas of the bank and talk to us as humans and people. And we often get asked questions like, you know, if we weren't doing this, what would we do? Right. And the answers get more creative down the line. So they get to know us as far as who we are as people. Um, Then, you know, it's got some things in there about how important community reinvestment act our give back strategies are some of our marketing strategies, some of our um, security, because that's pretty big at a bank, but they get to know a lot of our leaders, a lot of our values and our strategic priorities in that kind of session.
0: I love it. So we've talked and I think you've done a great job of explaining engagement and offering multiple experiences. Um, Let's just maybe, I love to ask the leaders when we visit with them, what does Amanda do to keep her edge sharp? Um, because I've I've known you for you know obviously nine, 10 years now actually I knew you longer than nine years because we talked and I think I had to earn your trust to even be a part of the discussion about the leadership academy which I really genuinely appreciated because um, I like the you know, you, that? Huh. <laughs> Do you know how you earned that Ryan? <laughs> you know
1: how you earned that Brian
0: because I was
1: using the advanced um, insight profile right yep. and you totally called me out on my BS you're like Amanda I know you're giving me this answer um and you're doing it because you're really direct and you're pretty high D, but you also are very warm and you're a high I. And so this is exactly how it's going to be your approach. And I thought at that very moment, this guy gets me, he's going to get other people in our organization.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's funny. So, Mm -hmm. but you, but you've always, you always have, you always bring, you come in there, you're going to, you, you light it up, you, 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 bring the energy, you bring the focus. And you also, I see and observe how you bring yourself back a little bit to allow your team to lead. And that's a powerful characteristic, but what are you doing? What do you do to keep your edge sharp? And then in a second, just think about this, you know, what book or podcast or something like that, that you would most recently hit on that you would recommend Mm. to our listeners, but what do you do to keep your edge sharp now?
1: Yeah, I'm an avid reader, so I love that question. Traditional book-in-hand kind of reader still. So um, I also think, and I've tried to, it's been a learned thing because I always have an opinion, but I also try to seek out perspectives that are different from mine so I can challenge my assumptions. I think that's probably a thing that I've done pretty well and intentionally uh, over my leadership journey um, and the, the pullback that you you mentioned that you see sometimes when I'm in a room is really hard for a 99% i who doesn't have a problem with talking but that's something that i learned from getting really um direct feedback which i have appreciated right um just that you know if you take up all of there in the room <laughs> there's none left for anyone else
0: <laughs> i love it
1: so i've just been really intentional about it because i've found over time, there's been a lot missed when I don't. So for me personally, the energy comes from seeking out perspectives, making sure I know what drains and fills my cup and then challenging my assumptions because I don't, and being okay with what I don't know.
0: Wow. That's powerful. So what's the latest podcast or book that you'd say, ah, <laughs> this has me jonesing and I'm excited <laughs> what, what, what's it what or what the most recent book that you kind of got jacked up about that okay, you say- I gotta
1: look up this title because I don't want to get it wrong, but um, I think it is called Fear Boss. That's definitely in the title. I was at a women leading change conference and um, the speaker was there. and I just loved it because one of the concepts of the book was being Fearless, is not possible, right? Because we always fear something. <laughs> Only children and <laughs> um, people that have severe uh, you know, psychotic disorders do not fear anything. But what you can do is fear, fear less. And that talks about moving through it versus around it and getting good at challenging yourself to do it time after time after time.
0: I like that a lot. Make that a make that a note. We'll talk about that later because we've got some stuff that that would be so cool to just unpack at a deeper level. So what it, what have you felt compelled to do after reading it?
1: Oh my gosh! Well, kind of make some of those commitments on places that I feel like I traditionally get stuck. Do a little bit reflection on why that is, and then some intention around. What am I going to change about it? Because it's obviously a fear. It's coming up for me. In order to change something around it, I probably have to know what I'm missing because I'm doing it, (laughs) right? So um, I've been kind of trying to journal and jot down some notes and think about, you know, how that will change kind of my leadership journey in 2022.
0: Wow. Well, Amanda, we could go on a long time in, but... I just want to thank you for your time. Appreciate the insight. Hopefully our listeners are able to pick up one or two nuggets. Um, I know I did. I think it's just so cool that, you know, you're in this world that's very structured and very confined, but yet you've created this ability to coexist and have this autonomous, multi experience environment in an environment that just doesn't have that, um, the the tendencies wouldn't be there. So I I appreciate your time. Thank you so much um, and success to you. Happy holidays and uh, have an amazing 2022.
1: Happy holidays to you and your family and the results group and all the listeners. It was so great to get to talk a few moments with you today.
0: Thank you so much.